This episode contains coarse language. Listener discretion is advised. Justice. Justice is a beautiful concept, but in the real world, justice does not exist. Justice is depends on how much money you have, how much power you are, who you are. I think that dance and art on the whole provides a great opportunity to cope with stress. Music makes the world around. To me, art is an expression of the creative mind. Bali is my passion. Music is from God. God, the ultimate artist. Today we have a cybersecurity expert and computer engineer with 20 plus years experience. And the media gave him the title of hacker when he became the first information security professional to go to jail for a crime that he did not commit. He also wrote his own book called Operation Bitcoin, Login to Hell. Please welcome Alberto Daniel Hill. Hello, hello. Aren't you afraid of me? Pandas fear nothing. Okay, you should. Are you recording with your phone? No, no, I'm just tweeting. Okay. Okay, so Alberto, can you give us like a brief overview of how you ended up in jail and a bit about your experience in terms of dealing with the courts, with how they dealt with the technical aspects of the suicide crime? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I am a cybersecurity professional, but that also means I am a hacker. And I became a hacker actually being a child when I first got my first computer and I was able to modify the code of a game. And I sent those things to a magazine in Spain and it was published with my name. I just felt the passion for that since I was very young. So that's how I begin in this field. And I am still here and I will be here till the day that I die because it's something I love and it's my passion. I mean, I have done many things as a hacker, many things, and I do not brag about them. Mm-hmm. I just never hurt anyone. I never caused any damage. Right. Uh, I started working in the government in 2009. Uh, there, I was in charge of the security, uh, the information security of uh, that place. And one of the things that uh, I had to do was to report any security incident to an agency in Uruguay called CERT that handles all the computer incidents that happened in the government institutions. Mm-hmm. So I got this culture of reporting security problems, the best input in order to be able to act uh, proactively and protect systems from, from experiencing security problems. So if you find that something that is wrong, you report them, they handle it and they solve it before the other the bad guys can find them and make a huge mess with it. So that's very valuable to report things. And I have been doing that, not only for the organization I was working, but with all the systems that I found had problems because I I really thought that that was the right thing to do. If I saw a problem, 
I should tell the people that were uh, able to, to solve that, that there was a problem. I mean, if I found a problem and I didn't report them, I would feel guilty. Mm. It's like you are witness of a crime and yeah. you don't say anything. So I did many, many reports of things uh, from all kinds of systems. Uh, from Uruguay and other countries also. In October 2014, it was spring. It was a beautiful Saturday afternoon in the house of my ex-girlfriend. And I was in bed with her computer and she wanted to enter into her health provider website in order to set an appointment with a doctor. So she gave me the address of the provider and she asked me, okay, do I give you my username and password? And I told her, no, <laughs> I am already in as an administrator. And I said, Fuck. I mean, this cannot be happening. All I did was try the username admin and the password admin. admin. <laughs> yeah. That was it. And I got in and I could do anything. I mean, I could see anything. I mean, I was like angry, upset. I couldn't believe it. And well, the point is that that problem involved more than 200,000 people's medical records. So it, wow. it didn't include any record about me. So it didn't affect me at all, but yeah. it affected hundreds of thousands of other people. Okay. So what did I do? Okay, immediately I sent an email to the search saying, okay, there is this problem. Mm. Uh, it was a Saturday and incredible in two hours, I got a reply saying that they got my report. They confirmed that I was right and they acknowledged that they received it and say thanks. And that's it. When you report something, you only have to report it. You don't have to know what they do after that. I mean, you forget about it. And they did forget about that. Then 2015, mm -hmm. again, uh, why the hell that did my girlfriend have that medical provider? Because again, she asked me to enter into it. And you know, after 20 years working in this field, you have that sense, you can smell when you are in front of a system. From experience, you can tell you are in front of a system this system is very likely to have a problem. Mm -hmm. In five minutes, I was able to access to all the medical records of all the patients of the institution. And this time, I didn't have to use any username or password. You just have to enter into certain address and modify the URL, certain parameters, and you were browsing all the records of all the patients. Wow. Okay, I said, fuck. These guys never learn. It was actually then I realized that, fuck, why did I do that? Anyway, uh, I report that. I report that and they shabu the same, okay? The same story happened. They received the email. That, nah, I forgot about it. Mm -hmm. I forgot about it completely. And then in 2017, uh, it was September 9, that the Interpol visited me. They arrested me. They took me to the headquarters and... I was completely lost. I didn't know what was going on. Mm -hmm. uh, they didn't tell me anything initially. They started interrogating me and they said, this is about a medical provider. First, I felt a relief because I said, oh, 
okay, there must be something that related to the things I reported. But then mm -hmm. I thought, okay, but I am handcuffed. Something is not making mm -hmm. sense here. Okay, they asked me, did you access to this, this, this? And they were mentioning URLs that were like, the name of the provider slash random numbers and symbols. I mean, they were asking me if I had access to certain places that nobody in this world could remember uh, the addresses that they were asking me about. So I was saying, yeah, maybe. I, I don't really recall, but mm. maybe, yeah, because it, it was obvious that I couldn't say that I didn't access to those places. And one of the agents said, okay, so you don't remember, do you want me to help you remember? Because I can help you to remember that if you don't. I don't think he was asking, he was telling me that he was going to give me a hand in technical skills to do that. I think he was meaning another thing that was not very nice. And I look at mm -hmm. him and I ask him, what's your name? <laughs> and he smiled at me and he didn't answer. That was pretty unprofessional, I think. Uh, because you are with a person who is handcuffed, who doesn't know what's going on. You have a badge, you have a gun. It's very easy to be brave in that situation. Everybody can be brave, but you are supposed to be a, an agent of law enforcement and you should have certain ethics and behavior that you should treat people in a proper way. You don't need to, for example, not answer what your name is. I mean, actually, I'm pretty sure that they have to tell you that information in that situation. I mean, I didn't inquire, but it's logical. I mean, it's common sense. They didn't answer. Mm -hmm. At the end of the interrogation, the final question was, they took a piece of paper and they told me, did you send this email? I look at it, but I really didn't read anything because I was really anxious, nervous. Mm -hmm. I was really terrified of you, to be honest. I mean, it was horrible. And I said, no, I didn't. That email, then when I was able to think and I wasn't that nervous, it was apparently an email saying that they were requesting certain amount of Bitcoins to be paid by the medical provider. Mm -hmm. If they didn't pay, they could release all the medical information of their patients. They would make that public. Okay, well, I didn't send that email. At one point, uh, one of the uh, agents grabbed a piece of paper and he told me, what if I tell you that here I have the records from the ISP saying that your IP address is the IP address from where this email was sent from? What if I tell you that? And I smiled at him and I said, well, if you have that record, I cannot say anything more than that email was sent from my IP. I mean that I cannot refuse such evidence. I didn't send it, but I, I assume the responsibility of being the owner of the network. Mm -hmm. Well, he smiled and he never mentioned that again. I mean, he never showed that paper because it was just bluffing. Mm -hmm. And I knew that I knew that they used to dirty techniques in order to get somebody to get nervous and basically try to solve the case. That's why they want a confession. That's all they want. They don't care about anything else. The day after that, they came to my house to execute the search warrant. And at one point, one of the officers came to me and he said, in plain Spanish, not in plain English, mm -hmm. okay, it's better for you to admit that you sent this. Otherwise, we will go to your mother's house. We will arrest her 
we will make her feel like hell. We will do the same with your girlfriend. We will go, we will arrest her, uh, we will destroy her house. So you decide. For me, it was like, I mean, what are the options? I thought for a second, okay, if I confess, I save my beloved ones, and then I can't have an instant to prove that I didn't send that email because I didn't send that email. So would, there would be no evidence of that because that's something that never happened. So but did I, they did they like ask you specific questions in relation to technicalities? Like in no. terms of no, they never use like computer jargon. No, not no not at all. No, no, nothing. They just you know what? They asked me the first question was, what's your Facebook account? Oh. And I was like, <laughs> okay, I I don't have Facebook. What? You don't have Facebook? Don't lie to us. And I couldn't help but saying, I hate Facebook. That was about to start because they didn't believe it. And I was being honest, I hate Facebook. <laughs> I mean, uh, I, I was honest in everything, but the thing is that being honest was I was giving them answers that they wasn't expecting. Mm -hmm. So that was really something that was very bad for me in, in that situation so when that moment came i said i did send that email okay i take the blame and i say those people i love i would do that i had to choose i choose the people i love and mm -hmm. i take the consequences well i didn't have that chance of proving that i didn't send an email because there was never an instance i wanted a third-party review of the situation, but the first rule of evidence was not followed, which is the evidence, rule number one, should be preserved. That happens in any case. When there is a murder and the gun is the evidence, the gun must be preserved because that's where they, I mean, they get the fingertips, they get many information that it basically the base of the case and the accusation and the sentence when you uh, arrest a drug dealer, the drugs are the evidence and the drugs are being stored and preserved. Well, in this case, they didn't preserve anything. So I couldn't have the opportunity to have a third independent party to make a review and see if the outcome was the same outcome of their investigation, to call it some way. Mm -hmm. No, because there was no evidence, I mean, what can I do? I mean, how can I prove my innocence? I have no ways of doing anything because they didn't give me anything to, to be able to do it. That was very, very frustrating. And I felt so like, okay, I have no way of getting out of here. I mean, I'm really fucked. Uh, <laughs> the thing is that after that confession, the day after that, it was September 11, 2017, the judge decided that I should go to prison as a preventive measure because I had very high risk of escaping from the country and mm. I was very dangerous because of my high uh, skills in technology mm. and I, I could affect the rest of the, of the process. Basically, she was saying that I would run out of the country and that I can mentally alter evidence <laughs> that was in a in a facility of the Interpol lock. That what she said. I mean, I am so good at hacker that I can use my mind to alter the evidence. 
stupid, silly, yeah. make no sense. So I went to prison. When my lawyer told me that, I thought, okay, this is the end of the world for me. I mm. won't be able to, to live. For me, prison was like hell. I mean, I couldn't even get an idea of what would I do there. I mean, it was terrible. And how long did they keep you there? Well, I was eight months in prison. I was released because my lawyer appealed what the, the judge had uh, decided and the appellation was in my favor. They didn't find any justification to, to have me there waiting for the rest of the process. But I was granted the freedom after paying a bail of $10,000. At that mm. point, I realized that, fuck, justice is a fucking lie. So if you have money to pay a bail, you can get out of this hell. And if you are pure and don't have access to that, you have to stay in this hell just because you're pure. Fuck justice. Justice is a beautiful word, a beautiful concept, but in the world, in the real world, justice does not exist. I mean, justice is depends on how much money you have, uh, how much power you are, who you are. Some pure people are unfortunately already sentenced to be in prison just because where they were born, their context, that's very sad and made me open my mind and realize that this fucking world and this fucking system is all a lie and mm. everything is wrong. And I was really opening my eyes and seeing the world in a different way where I was angry with the system, with what I thought was something that was working correctly, that the society was perfectly working. Fuck no, the society is... It's, a lie. I mean, the things that happen involves corruption, abuse of power, so many things that people are not aware of. And it's all a big lie what we hear and see on the news than what really goes, goes on. That's a big lie. And for me, it was like, okay, from now on, I won't believe anything. And that was a, a great uh, learning from my experience that I was able to open my, my mind and realize that the world is not what it looks like and I should do something to change that. Mm -hmm. I can do something. You said from, um, based on your experience, you're now working on improving the legislation with respect to computer laws in Uruguay. That's correct. That's correct. I contact many people from the Congress Mm -hmm. uh, a few of them answered me telling that they were really interested in doing that. No, nothing was eventually done. Wow. Uh, so that was not uh, successful. So I decided to take another approach because here all the press knew about my case, but mm -hmm. all the most important journalists I talked to and they, they all knew my case because unfortunately I didn't want it, but I became famous. No, I'm not famous, notorious in the world, mm -hmm. but basically I was like, wow, nobody saw me as a criminal. I mean, they saw me as a hero. <laughs> I mean, wow, this guy was able to do this. And the government, instead of hiring him, they sent him to prison. That's crazy. That only happens here in this banana republic. It's stupid, but the people that take the decisions are stupid. Uh, they are ignorant. 
they lack of any knowledge or competence to do the things that they do. And unfortunately, the life of the people is in their hands. When you send somebody to prison, you are basically destroying the life of a person because that person normally loses his job, uh, his family gets destroyed, then he gets out and he's unable to find any job. So the life of a person is basically destroyed completely. And that decision is taken by people that are stupid, arrogant, ignorant. Uh, that's sad, very sad. In my case, those effects were, uh, fortunately, when it comes to a hacker, if you go to prison, that's something that gives you value instead of causing rejection in society. Uh, I got so many shop offers after being sent to prison. It's like, okay, everybody was interested on having me. That's something unique in no other crime that I am aware of. Anyone who goes to prison for any other kind of situation lives something like this. I mean, everybody goes to prison and then they get out and to get in society again and get a decent job. It's hard. It's almost impossible because all the doors are closed. The discrimination is terrible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I know like... Um... This happens a lot. I remember reading um, Kevin Mitnick's autobiography called Ghost in the Wires. And he said one time they accused him of having launch goods to nuclear arsenal. And um, <laughs> Yeah, basically he was sent to solitary confinement, which means being alone in a room in a cell for 23 hours a day. That drives anybody crazy that's proven, that costs a, tra- a trauma irreversible in any human being. That's mm-hmm. something that is brutal. And he was in there because they said that he has the power to use a, a, cell, a telephone to launch a nuclear attack. That's <laughs> that's that's sad and funny, but that that it's shows a big exaggeration. Yeah. Yeah, but that shows how the law enforcement and the people that is ignorant see the image of a hacker. They see that we have certain power, but they do not know exactly the scope, the things that we can do. They just see us, okay, these guys can do magic and it causes fear for them because they consider me dangerous because of the same thing that happened to Kevin Meaning, They actually had no idea of what I can do. They just know that I could do things they didn't understand. So I received the same treatment because the fear of the unknown, it's better to send to prison this person and keep him locked instead of having him outside because we have no idea what this guy is able to do. I cannot alter the evidence with my mind. Kevin Minnick, uh, nobody can launch a nuclear attack uh, with a phone. Uh, no, but they think they think we can, which is so mm-hmm. stupid. I mean, <laughs> they, they watch too many movies, these guys, uh, from the justice. Is there anything that could be done to improve the justice system with respect to cybercrime? Yes, it will get improved. It, all the changes take time, but mm. something has to trigger those changes. Changes do not happen out of the blue. And when you see a problem in a system, something that is not working, something that should be improved, the only way to approach that is to talk about it, to say it out loud, to share that with as many people as possible, because that way 
you create awareness of the problem because mm -hmm. if people are not aware of the problem, there is no problem. Right. They have to know it. So what I have done so far is reaching millions of people thanks to the internet because Uruguay didn't allow me to do anything. So I said, okay, I cannot do this in Uruguay. Fuck Uruguay. I have the world. I have 8 billion people out there. Uruguay is only 3 million people. Okay, thank you. You don't let me do this in Uruguay. I will do it with the world. So I did that with the world. And everybody who's in this field knows my story. They know me. They all are really by my side. They support me. They really cannot believe what I had to live. And they send me messages saying that I am a person who inspired them, which is beautiful. And makes you think that all the things I have to suffer were worth them. If I inspire one person, that's something wonderful. My story was first told in Darkness Diaries, the most important podcast about hackers. And that reached by now probably more than half a million people. It was told in the most important security congresses in the world, appeared mm -hmm. in uh, many magazines of computer forensics. I wrote a book, as you mentioned initially. I am constantly sharing my story in places like this podcast. I use every opportunity I have to share my story. Well, I, there's things that I cannot tell, but yeah. there's a group known worldwide that is very important, that is supporting me, and they can really give a a great help in my desire to change the system, but I cannot enter into details. Mm -hmm. uh, the thing is that you can do changes in the system, in any system, but you probably, surely cannot do it alone. First of all, you have to really have the desire to do it because it's something that requires energy, it's exhausting, takes time, takes money. Many people might say, that's it. It's not my problem that are problems now. I think if you are not part of the solution, you are part of the problem. And I don't want to be part of any problem. I want to solve things. In your case, right, did they like have any kind of specialized unit to deal with your case with people who are like highly competent in cybersecurity? The experts here in Uruguay are the CERT, the agency of the government that was reporting the incidents to. Mm -hmm. uh, they knew nothing about cryptocurrencies. Wow. They knew nothing about forensics. For example, they took from my house two coins. Okay, in a podcast, nobody will see that. This is the theory. <laughs> but they put this in a table. They mm -hmm. took pictures and they said, okay, Operation Bitcoins, we have Bitcoins that from the house of the hacker. They thought these things were Bitcoins. <laughs> Can you believe that? I mean, that, uh, to that level of stupidity, I mean, they didn't know anything. They have no clue of anything. Just for those uh, listening, um, Alberto is just showing me a physical replica of a Bitcoin or oh, Ethereum, sorry. <laughs> yeah, but for the, for the example, it works. So we can, we can safely say that like, the main problem is their lack of knowledge. No. No, I don't think so, because I will tell you something. That is a huge problem, what you mentioned, but mm -hmm. after a year of being released, I got access to the file of the case, a, a thousand pages file, and 
I I was to that point, I was surprised of everything. I couldn't believe anything, but I read the file and they the judge interviewed the director of the search, the person who answered the email that I sent regarding admin admin. Right. And the judge asked him, did Alberto Hill ever report any security problems related to this medical provider? And the answer of the director of the search, the person who answered the emails was, no, I don't recall. I checked some files and I didn't find anything. Oh my God. The reading of that is, you are in an interview by a criminal case. You are considered an expert and you are considered somebody who, what you say, really defines what the final decision is. Mm. When you report an incident, you get a tracking number, it's stored in a system, you get a reply. So basically, to answer that question, you cannot answer, I do not recall. You have to answer yes or no, and you have the tools to do that because all you have to do is enter the system and search for my name or anything, and that show up. I mean, answering, I don't know, remember, it's like saying the judge, no, he didn't. So everything I said was considered, okay, I was lying because if the director of the search says he doesn't remember, then mm-hmm. I, I lost all my credibility. And I had, take, I had taken for granted that they all, all the time knew that I had reported those problems to the, to the, health, to the, about the health provider. Right. But no, they didn't have any clue that I did. I mean, it's like, this is so, this couldn't be happening. I mean, they are conspiring against me. Mm-hmm. Uh, why did that person answer that? Well, I don't know. But if somebody answers that, then the big problem is not the lack of competence in technical skills. We have a much bigger problem that is a person in certain position that answers to the judge certain question in a completely uh, not appropriate way. And that defines the future of a person. So Mm. there is a problem there and it's a big problem because I don't know why he did that. So finding a root cause of the problem is very complicated, but there is surely a problem there that Mm -hmm. might be corruption, for example, might be some interest that uh, I do not know, but somebody with a lot of power might be willing to hide something. There is a reason for that answer. I wish I knew that, but it has to be a very powerful reason. So that is the most complicated part and the thing that uh, really blows my mind. And I mean, I am a person who, unfortunately for them, have the skills in order to be aware of all the things that they did wrong. Okay, I'm not going to brag. In Latin America, they consider me a referent in cryptocurrencies. They consider me uh, an expert in cybersecurity. Why would I report a problem twice in a medical provider to then hack them? If I wanted to hack them, I would never report anything. Why? I mean, that's stupid. I mean, why would I report a problem and then hack them? No, I would shut up and hack them. I mean, and if I did want to hack them, I can tell you, for, I can guarantee you that they would never, ever yeah. know this was me. That's for sure. I can guarantee you. They will never know it was me. 
the people that surround me and know me, they, mm. no, no one asked me, did you send that email? They didn't ask, ask me because they already know the answer. They didn't mm. have to uh, ask me that. So anyone interested in hearing more about Alberto's story, you can find it on Darknet Diaries, episode 25. And his book, Operation Bitcoin, Login to Hell, is available on Amazon. So Alberto, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much for giving me the opportunity to share this. Mm -hmm. And I hope you continue to share your story with more people so they can be aware as well. Yeah, and I would like to say, anyone, if you are not part of the of the solution, you are part of the problem. So, if you visualize that you are in a system that has problems, I would do something because this world can be better, and it can only be better if people really engage and really want to make a change. So, it would be nice if more people would do things to to improve the world because that's the world that. I don't have children, but the children of those people who have children will live in the future and they all want to have a better world and we can do it. So that's the message I want to give. Thanks again, Alberto. I really appreciate it. And now you can send me my payment in Bitcoin. Thank you very much. (laughs) (laughs) No, I will send you the coins physically. That's what I have. (laughs) Thank you for listening to the Connoisseur Panda. Follow us on Twitter at Conocier Pan and Instagram, The Compan. And this episode featured me, the most dangerous hacker in Uruguay, Alberto Hill. You can find me on social media at A Daniel Hill on Twitter. Music using this podcast was originally composed by Richard Tagas, and you can find him on YouTube at Richard Tagas. This podcast is hosted by Patrice. Uh, Boston, and uh, you can find her on Instagram and Twitter at Patrick Boston. Bye bye.